This is the Mobile Arcade Club, a podcast about playing cool mobile games with friends, especially those featured on Apple Arcade. I'm Stephen, and he's Chris. In this episode, Butter Royale and No Way Home. Welcome, arcade friends, to episode 11 of the Mobile Arcade Club. I reckon we'll get straight into it, and we'll talk about... A topic that's quite quite interesting about Apple Arcade, there's been, to follow up, last episode we were talking about Vice Games uh, journalist Patrick Klepek. Uh, let's talk about him again because he's come out with a very interesting article looking at five months in, what developers of Apple Arcade games think of the service. And there's been some very interesting thoughts, hasn't there, Stephen? Yeah, definitely. I think we, we had a lot of speculation based on you know the tweet we talked about last episode, but it's super interesting uh, having someone actually speak to various developers, some on the record, some anonymously, depending on what they have to say. But yeah, it's given some actual data, I guess, to what we were speculating on last time. Indeed, and one of the the first major points that we've gleaned from the article is uh, Patrick spoke with Zach Gage, who has quite a a storied development history and some strong games, uh, including an Apple Arcade game, uh, Card of Darkness, which was one of the earlier games that we covered on the podcast. I it didn't click for me as such, but I remember Stephen, you were quite keen on Card of Darkness, but the. The interesting thing is that Zach Gage has since released a game, another mobile game, but not on Apple Arcade. And it sounds like while he's happy with the service and he's happy with how Card of Darkness went on the service, but this game, Spell Tower Plus, which is a follow-up to a previous success that he had, uh, he's decided to release it outside of the Apple Arcade service. And I think one of the reasons was cited as he didn't want to, uh, or he, he felt that that would, sort of uh, sort of put fans off a little bit of the previous game that in order to sort of buy back in that they'd have to uh, pay for the subscription, which he mm. thought, no, I don't want to gate that behind the subscription service. Yeah, it's interesting in how the, I guess, the exclusivity of Apple Arcade is a bit of a double-edged sword. It means you need to be in Apple Arcade and you have all of these games to play as part of it. But conversely, if you're someone who doesn't subscribe or doesn't have an Apple device to, to play them on, then you know if a developer like Gat, Zach Gage just decides I'm going to put Spell Tower Plus on Apple Arcade, then sorry if you're an Android user, sorry if you can't afford the subscription, you're just, just out of luck really. And it sort of uh, leans into a, a sentiment that I've seen going around as well of, um, I think it was in a previous Vice Games uh, article where people were a little, they were describing the Apple Arcade subscription as a, they were subscribing for one game. I think Grindstone was Mm. the one that kept coming up. It was like, hey, it's my $5 a month to play Grindstone. And the fact that you can't pay to buy any of these games outside of the subscription, I think is, I I don't mind because I'm subscribing and I personally get a great deal of value out of it. But if you're Mm. someone who just wants to play one of the games on here, you're kind of out of luck. But then again, I guess, you know, if you want to watch one Netflix exclusive, sorry, you have to subscribe to Netflix. It's kind of just, it's not exactly an Apple Arcade specific thing, but it's still a, I don't know, unless you're all in on the subscription, sometimes it can feel a little bit like you're paying through the nose for one specific thing if that's all you're actually wanting out of this. 
I was going to use a very similar analogy as well using the the, uh, the Netflix analogy because I was trying to think, say for example, BoJack Horseman, which is a series that recently finished up on Netflix. Can you purchase that on home media at all after a certain point on Netflix or is it just stream exclusive? That's a really good question. I haven't been into like a... A JB Hi-Fi for people outside of Australia. It's just, I don't know, a big store where you buy DVDs and Blu-rays and electronics and home Mm. appliances, everything. I haven't gone in to buy a TV show on disc in so long that I have no idea. But I don't know. I I would have thought you should be able to because everything eventually comes to DVD and Blu-ray. But maybe that's not a a fair assumption to make now. Maybe the world's changed and it will be exclusive to Netflix forever, potentially. Yeah, because perhaps that's now something, you know, depending on whether you can get something uh, like that on home media, perhaps that that also adds further further fuel to the argument of, you know, being able to purchase games individually from the Apple Arcade service, or it also further backs up, well, hang on, no, we're not the only subscription service that's, you know, they obviously the uh, the keepers of this content wouldn't necessarily use the word gating, but for the purposes of this, you know, gating content behind a subscription and you know not having it available elsewhere because where else is your value proposition? But mm. interesting. Um, another thing that was mentioned that uh, one one developer chose to remain anonymous during this article, and it sounded like they were pretty positive about the Apple Arcade service but they feared for future discoverability of titles as the Apple Arcade listing grows in size uh, of the number of games available because they feel, and I'm paraphrasing somewhat, and we'll we'll chuck a link to the article so you can see for yourself, but uh, they believed that games that have released since the launch of Apple Arcade aren't necessarily uh, getting the same amount of attention or marketing push as ones that were sort of, say, you know, keynote games on the launch of the service? Yeah, I definitely I'm inclined to agree. I feel like I learn more about the games that come out because you know the, the Apple Arcade Discord will send me a notification or it'll be at the top of the... It'll be a pinned post on the Apple Arcade subreddit, but it's very rare that I find out first about new games from Apple themselves, which feels mm. a little bit unusual. It's... I don't know if to me it uh, leads into a slightly bigger uh, conversation, which I'll try not to get too hung up on, but sort of in the past, back when people were able to get affiliate cash for, um, you know, for games that they discussed and uh, reviewed and on websites, they could point people towards the app store and get some benefit back if people ended up actually buying it. Apple sort of scrapped that whole program about a year or so ago, and that meant that sites like Touch Arcade and similar suddenly found their business model no longer viable and i think yeah if if you're going to do that it kind of puts the ball in apple's court to say you guys need to be doing the the marketing you need to do the whole uh curation marketing getting the word out there because you're not really allowing other people to do it in in a way that can be you know any more than a hobby so yeah it's interesting in a way it makes people like us and people like the subreddit more important because it's you know apple aren't going to put the word out so someone has to otherwise the word won't get there but there's you know no incentive but our our love of the podcasting form and wanting to play new games in order to do so so it's yeah a two-edged sword we've got a few of those this episode so far <laughs> 
Indeed, and I have many, many complex thoughts on the matter of curation and of marketing games and that sort of thing. However, this is not a uh, a game biz dev podcast, so <laughs> not quite, no. <laughs> I, I dare I dare say uh, we'll we'll get moving on to the first game that we'll be discussing this episode, and that is Butter Royale by Mighty Bear Games, who are based in Singapore, and. Gee, I found this utterly delightful. What about you, Stephen? Oh, absolutely. I I kind of found myself playing this constantly to the point where I almost didn't get around to playing the second game for this episode because I just kept on playing Butter Royale and then thought, oh gosh, it's you know a couple of days before we have to record. Maybe maybe I should try the other one. But um, it, it's for anyone who doesn't know what Butter Royale is, it is a battle royale kind of game. That's a pun that I wrote, worked out at the end of last episode from memory. <laughs> um, but it plays like a, a twin stick shooter. So you have one on a phone, one virtual stick moves you around, one virtual stick sort of aims your weapon and fires depending on how that weapon's played. And you'll all sort of drop into this large map and there will be butter in this case coming in from the edges at all times and there'll be sort of on the map you'll be able to see a safe circle safe area that you need to head to so that you'll know for a while at least you'll be safe there and won't get creamed by the butter I think is the the term that they use Um, and yeah I, I found it really really compelling in a lot of the same ways that I found Fortnite compelling a little while ago it's got really good. It's got super quick play sessions. You can, mm. uh, yeah, you can, I was managing to get two or three done in the space of a, a tea break at work. And each time you do it, it's like, oh, I'm a little bit closer to that next thing in the, it wasn't called the battle pass, but like this, uh, this plat when you play you unlock things as you, as you gain certain currency and points and stuff. And so, oh, I'm just one off from getting the, I don't know, the flag that has a face that says uwu, for example, which I desperately <laughs> wanted, or like unlocking new character skins or new skins for your melee weapon. I currently run around wielding a large zucchini that I hit people over the head with. It's nice. It's very good fun. And um, what do you wield in game? Uh, <laughs> 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 I couldn't help myself. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, I just. And whenever I finished playing, I wanted to keep playing. I don't know if it'll have longevity long term, but man, the last couple of weeks, it's just been, I just really enjoyed playing this game and I never wanted to stop until I had to, to go back to work. <laughs> yeah. And you're, you're absolutely spot on with the, the brief play sessions lending themselves to a fair bit of, oh yeah, yeah. One more try. Cause it'll only take five minutes to play around or yeah, maybe a little bit longer, but yeah, you can you can definitely squeeze in a few rounds on a, on a commute or a, a work break or uh, dare I say a, a toilet break as well. Which that's that's perhaps a debate for another day. But but you could you feasibly the yes. everything's there mechanically to do so. Whether you do that, we will not talk about. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, butter butter royale. You know, because of its very over the top setting. And, you know, everything's food related and lots of puns and, you know, wielding zucchinis as melee weapons and all sorts of other weapons like, you know, a, a tomato sauce bottle or, you know, ketchup squeezy bottle that you, you shoot tomato sauce at people. Mm. Uh, it's it's all it's all very, very cute. It's very funny and very, very wholesome. So this, this is a great one. Mechanically, it feels great to play and the virtual thumbsticks on the screen feel 
totally fine to the point where I didn't even bother trying with a controller because I thought, nah, this, this works perfectly fine as is. And it's also, you know, something that is very family friendly as well because there's no there's no depictions of you know bullets or traditional guns or that sort of stuff if that's something that's of concern to you in mm. terms of exposing your young ones to, to that sort of content then uh, this this is very very wholesome in comparison to well <laughs> to say PUBG or uh, however you pronounce it um, you know the very more more gritty sort of shooty stylings there but yeah the as as you alluded to, you know, it was very very much a, a hook to try and get, you know, the next item, the next cosmetic, and I emphasise cosmetic items because they don't necessarily, you know, give you an advantage, an unfair advantage or anything. Mm. But I think the the Apple Arcade, the model of having no microtransactions, lends itself really really well to Butter Royale because it really feels like every round you play. You genuinely feel like you're making some sort of progress towards, you know, a cute little cosmetic unlock or that sort of thing at a rate that feels fair and not overly inflated to sort of, um, you know, pump up the value of, say, a battle pass or a, a season sub- subscription to something like Fortnite or Apex Legends and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I did it's find sort of, that, um, yeah. that particularly uh, interesting because uh, structurally with the way that the rewards are structured, it is almost a carbon copy of Fortnite, for example. You've got the the equivalent of a battle pass. You've got a store the which has items rotating out on a daily basis. And those are all exactly the same as they were in many other Battle Royale games. But the fact that mm. you don't have... You can't pay money in any way, shape or form to, I don't know, to push yourself along this or to unlock a different track of the battle pass just felt like I... I can play this without paying anything extra and not feel like I'm wasting my time. I guess if mm. I if I play Fortnite, for example, without the battle pass, I just think I'm missing out on all this bonus XP. I'm missing out on all these cool unlockables. And that was part of why I played Fortnite so much is because once I get the battle pass, I'm like, cool, I get all this new stuff constantly. It's very exciting. But if you don't have it, it just kind of feels like drips and drabs and you're really not playing it the way it's meant to be played i guess and yeah with no money involved here you're always playing it the way it's meant to be played although i will mention uh you mentioned that you didn't even really want or need to try it with a controller as such because uh, you mm-hmm. found the touchscreen controls good enough as is i won't deny that i do think it controls extremely extremely well without a controller but it is it's real good it's got some real good controller support i gotta say it's uh it's nicer just being able to you know, point in a direction with a stick personally rather than using the touchscreen controls. I found uh, they weren't bad, but I found myself more accurate with a controller, which might just speak to the fact that I play with controllers more often than not. But yeah, it's definitely a good one. If you have a controller on hand, this is a, a good one to play around with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and because Butter Royale is, is one that I can imagine myself coming back to you know, over an extended period of time, then I certainly think that, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely give the controller support a go and plug in, or not plug in, but connect the Xbox controller and give that a go because I do enjoy the twin stick shooters, the likes of uh, Enter the Gungeon, and uh, I even played uh, an early access one on 
uh, epic games a little while ago called Atomic Rops, uh, which that was fun. But yeah, twin stick shooters are good fun, and Battle Royale was certainly no exception in, in that regards. Um, one thing I, I found interesting, and I think Battle Royale did receive a mini, mini sort of update uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, because I think it came out a little bit after the new year, and... I think it was to revamp the tutorial, if I remember reading the patch notes correctly. And I found that the tutorial was, was pretty good. It takes you through the basics of how to how to control in terms of, yeah, you have your virtual uh, virtual joysticks on the touchscreen. The, the left joystick controls your movement. The right joystick controls your shooting. So you can move and shoot independently and in opposite directions. And also... If you find aiming a little bit difficult, and I think this is particularly good for people who aren't experienced with twin stick shooters or perhaps younger players who don't have the same sort of uh, hand-eye coordination, that instead of uh, sort of touching and dragging the right joystick to aim in a 360-degree arc, if you tap the right joystick or where the right joystick is located on, on the screen, it will automatically target and shoot at the nearest target, mm. uh, which I, I think that's you know that's a nice accessibility feature. Um, beyond that, the the tutorial, there are a few things that I found were left up to you to figure out, and I think this is the case with a lot of games, not just twin stick shooters, not just battle royales, but I think there's there's a lot of assumptions made in a lot of games and this is is no exception as well in terms of yes you know that you unlock goodies and uh season tickets you know to to unlock things but you don't receive any explanation especially you know if you are introducing this to a, a younger player or someone who traditionally doesn't play a lot of these games okay what what do what do I do to earn XP or season tickets? What's the breakdown? Or is there a specific correlation between, you know, do I need to do X amount in a game to earn this much XP or that sort of stuff? Mm. Or why why are there different in-game currencies? Why are there the season tickets as opposed to um, the the other currency, which I can't remember off I think the top of my head. I think cookies or something. Yeah, I think so. And, and also... I don't remember uh, how to to melee uh, being explained or whether that's a case of that's just automatically something that happens if you don't equip a weapon. Uh, I don't I don't think some of those things were were explained. Uh, but again, this is not necessarily a fault of you know uh, Mighty Bear or you know nothing inherently wrong with Butter Royale. It's just something that I've observed is the case with a lot of games and a lot of battle royales that have jumped on the scene because it plays on the assumption that you know what a battle royale is this here's a lot of assumptions and common language that is used in these games such as xp and season mm. tickets and that sort of thing so it just just makes a few assumptions of players and especially considering this is such a, a cutesy and friendly and welcoming sort of game it's the one it's sort of uh, game I'd really love to see um, you know, really break down some of those assumptions and languages uh, and language in sort of, you know, sort of real pair it right back and explain things in, in detail if, you know, for people who want to seek it. Yeah, yeah, the options should be there. I think I found myself, it's just the way that I've always played games, just throwing myself at stuff, seeing what happens and noting that in my brain. But it kind of would have been nice if, I don't know, if I knew whether, I don't know, if, 
they're not kills. I think it's how many people you've creamed, if how much that contributes towards the particular currencies that you get at the end of a match or something like that. I just sort of kept playing until I got as much as I needed, but I didn't know if there was anything I could have been doing to focus on particular things if I wanted to unlock specific things. It was a little yeah. bit uh, opaque and, I don't know, I just, just kept playing without really thinking too much, but it might have been nice if I could have uh, focused on one thing in particular. I think the fact that... I think like mechanically it's not super, super deep. I feel like there, mm. once you know how to play, you've got the, you're moving, you're shooting, you're melee and you're collecting of items. They did add, I think in the update the, that we came out while we were playing it, it added these uh, crates that will fall from the sky, which mm. is a, you know another common thing from Battle Royale games. And so that's another mechanic to think about. But I think the only thing that might happen here is I, I don't know how much longevity it has. It's very good fun in the moment, but it kind of, I don't know, a lot of them end up playing out about the same for me. It didn't have, I feel like it's a lot more dynamic in other battle royales than this one being a bit pared back and top down. It's it's a little simpler, which is by design, but I think yeah. in, in doing so, I'm not sure that this will be something I'll be playing in six months time. But mm. it's probably something I'll be playing in a couple of weeks' time still because it's damn good fun. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. And I think one one thing to elaborate on is, uh, again, with Apple Arcade, all games on the service must be playable offline. And that's certainly the case here with Butter Royale because you can play offline against a bunch of AI opponents. Uh, so, you know, playing against the, the computer, so to speak, plus online Play is available, so you can you know play multiplayer with uh, with other people who also have the game, and you know it's the the typical sort of setup. You can you know squad up and you know take on uh, take on the uh, the other players and that sort of thing. But interestingly, um, with with regards to the the offline aspects of the game, the season rewards because I was playing a bit of Butter Royale on a plane flight recently, oh, yeah. and so had had the play, um, not the plane, the the phone on plane airplane mode, so I wasn't connected to uh, any Wi-Fi or anything. So I was playing offline, and I found that when I went to redeem a season reward that I'd uh, you know, earned season tickets uh, through playing against the AI, uh, but it wouldn't let me redeem the reward unless I was connected online. Oh, that's uh, interesting. So, so I found that intriguing that it seems some progress is linked online, so to speak. So perhaps it needs to confirm with the server so that you don't... I, I wouldn't have thought doubling up on rewards would be an issue because it's just a sort of like a one-off cosmetic item. But obviously there, there's something there that it wants to, to tick off in a server somewhere mm. before it will you know, give you this reward. And I did so, notice the first yeah. time I went to go buy something or to play online, it came up with this, are you okay to share your information with the developer or with the server? Because I think that might be something to do with Apple Arcade and it's very strict um, mm. you know, data management stuff is that the games on Apple Arcade should, at, if at all possible, avoid historic data about you. And if they have to, like in this case, make it very clear, very transparent as to what they're doing, what they're storing and why they need to do that. And yeah, that that's interesting. I don't quite know why they would need to verify with the server how far along the track you are, I guess, aside from to, I don't know, stop people doing save hacking or something to, to unlock everything and then just have all this cool stuff that everyone else had to earn is the only justification I can think of. Yeah, and considering there's no competitive advantage for doing so, I'm 
yeah, I'm a little confused and a little bit baffled there, but it really doesn't matter all that much yeah, considering it's just a little the, bit the of game. strangeness. It, yeah, it, it doesn't impact the, the gameplay whatsoever. Uh, Butter Royale is still absolutely delightful in in its charm, in its appeal, and the, the way that it plays. So I certainly enjoyed it, and it certainly sounded like you did as well, Stephen. So I think we shall move on to the next game, mm. which is No Way Home from SMG Studio, which is primarily an Australian studio with uh, studios, or rather people based in Sydney and Melbourne in Australia, plus also a few people in Los Angeles, which I didn't actually know that until I looked that up earlier. Mm. But there you go. But yeah, SMG Studio are a bit of an Australian indie staple. They've released uh, a bunch of cool games over the years, including uh, one of my favourites of theirs is Death Squared, a very clever multiplayer puzzle game, and also coming out with Moving Out soon, which is a very overcooked-looking uh, furniture removal game, which looks rather delightful. Mm, yes, just, you know, if cooking wasn't stressful enough, just imagine moving house, turn it into a video game. It's It sounds horrendous, but given how fun Overcooked was and how, you know, I, I feel like SMG Studio have a good track record, it, it should be pretty good fun, I think. Indeed, and No Way Home, like like a lot of the things they do, they tend not to stick with the, the one thing for very long, mm. and No Way Home continues that. Because it's a, it also operates on a bit of a twin stick shooter sort of wavelength, and it's yeah a bit of a two D space faring uh, twin stick shooting. Um, how would you, how would you describe it? A, a little bit of a a mini mini space opera sort of setting. Yeah. You, you play as yeah you play as this little you know little character who is. Um, yeah, they're sort of the only one left from their survivors from their sort of colony fleet or whatever and yeah they're trying to find their way uh, back home yeah it's sort of yeah as you're saying that twin stick it, it's it's totally a coincidence we didn't plan for both games to be twin stick shooters i didn't realize how much you know twin stick shooter this would actually end up being but mm. it sort of controls in a very similar way you've got one you know one side stick for movement one for aiming and once again, it also this one recommends a controller, and I think it, once while it does similar to Butter Royale, play perfectly fine without one. I think I found it was a a greater degree of more enjoyable with a controller for this one because uh, sure. it gets a little bit more complex than Butter Royale did. You've got things like um, you know different. You've got weapons and a grapple hook you can use to move uh, objects around the area and your the different buttons on the controller will correspond to each of those tools rather than having to sort of switch between them on the on the touchscreen which is a little yeah. bit more clunky um but yeah it's interesting it's a it's primarily story based game so you have that initial event where you're sort of flung away from your ship and you need to find your way home you you know walk uh, not walking gosh flying around the space finding i don't know strange creatures in bars and seeing if they can help you out and sort of going on a, a little bit of a lengthy fetch quest, I guess, from what I've played so far. It's a lot of go here, bring this to that person, and then they'll give you the next person you need to bring something to, and that will be the the structure of the story from there forward. But it also has some really nice sort of RPG elements that I quite enjoyed in the uh, ship upgrades you can do, so upgrading things like a ship's shields and different kinds of weapons. Uh, which, yeah, that made it uh, sort of interesting to experiment with different ways to play because 
you know, the weapons will be, they'll behave differently. They won't just be, you know, this one is more powerful than the last one. It'll be this one is, you know, lots of rapid shots. This one is a shotgun and things like that. It sort of makes for an almost RPG-ish way of playing around with it. Yeah, yeah. So I, and from my experience, I would say the RPG elements are relatively light. It's, yeah, it's rudimentary. Not, not, yeah, yeah. Not not super deep in in that regards, which I I'm thankful for to an extent because this this is a, a gripe of mine that goes beyond just No Way Home. So this mm-hmm. is certainly not uh, not directed at SMG Studio, but um, I do find that a lot of games recently. Uh, throw in arbitrary RPG elements. Yes. <laughs> and they sort of I think they they gate difficulty or sort of they they use a difficulty curve that's uh that relies on needing to upgrade your equipment to have bigger numbers than the bigger ones so you can do enough numbers of damage to defeat the enemies with more numbers of health. Yes, it's uh, less about sort of becoming more adept at the game and its systems and more about making the numbers bigger than the numbers you fight. But then the numbers you fight get bigger and it's just this power creep that's not terribly inventive or fun to play sometimes. Yeah, yeah, which there are plenty of games that do that very well and, you know, are very satisfying. Uh, you know, there are lots of RPGs and MMOs and online games that do have a very satisfying loop of, you know, do this thing, okay, now you get a thing with bigger numbers, so now you can do more things with the numbers and can do it very satisfyingly. But yeah, I just, my irritation is more with, with games that say it's an action or an adventure game. Uh, you know, I, I like, you know, the story and the adventure and, as you say, sort of wanting to get better at the game and getting that feeling of mastery as opposed to... Um, you know, just relying on arbitrary numbers to sort of um, yeah guide your guide your process. Which yeah, I think the game that comes to mind is um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey and Assassin's Creed Origins, the recent ones, which add more RPG elements. Which they're largely good games until you get to the end game and realize, oh, now you've got to grind for a while until you get better equipment so you can actually feasibly take on these big baddies at the end. But anyways, anyways, um, yes. <laughs> no, no way home is yeah is not not quite like that because one of the things um, in no way home is you you have to um, sort of fight your way through these uh, what are, what are they called Stephen uh, domes is that what they're called um, again? domes sounds familiar yes so let's go with that yeah fight um, fight your way through domes uh, in order to sort of that's that's sort of your main quest to try and power up this what looks like this big ancient alien technology sort of thing, almost like a big warp gate. And mm. to, to power that up, you've got to collect these domes along the way. And I found that uh, I did. I got two or three in before upgrading my equipment beyond sort of an initial wave of upgrades. And I found it wasn't insurmountable. It was a decent challenge with the sort of the lower... Um, you know, sort of the lower damage output weapons that I had, mm. but it, it it still felt like I had a chance, which I appreciated, and I think that was that was what I was trying to get at in a very long winded roundabout way. <laughs> yeah, I think I I generally kind of enjoyed the structure and the gameplay. I think you you've made note uh, that the game felt a little bit empty, and I'm kind of inclined to agree 
about yeah about that i found a lot of the time it was you get an objective from a person or a a creature an entity let's say uh, and you go to a place along the way you'll probably be attacked by various forms of unfriendly entities and you have to shoot them or dodge past them until you get to where you need to go and just sort of back and forthing in that way and i think i don't know i i didn't find it incredibly compelling just because it felt like not a lot was happening different as I was playing and there wasn't all that much progression no. the 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 light RPG elements as they are sort of didn't ramp up very quickly it sort of felt like I was playing with a little pea shooter for a lot longer than I would like to and then I found the way that I had the most fun with this game is, I'm not sure if you tried it yourself but the daily runs are really really good fun uh, in that they will uh, give you a ship with a, a loadout of a particular yeah, a particular loadout a particular area because I, I think the normal game is randomly generated if I remember correctly whereas these daily runs I'm pretty sure are a set environment to to traverse you're given a set of time a ship and you're sort of going for a high score run essentially and that let me play around with a lot of weapons that i assume i was way way away from actually getting in the main game uh you know playing around with a shotgun weapon for example was like, oh gosh i didn't even know the game could play like this and it can let you change the way you actually approach situations and yeah going for those high scores i found super super compelling to the point where i was mostly doing that instead of the story mode yeah, that's interesting because I did notice that when I booted up the the game for a second time because the first time around it pretty well pops you straight into the story. Mm, so yes. then, then the next time I booted No Way Home up, um, I saw the, the daily run uh, button on the menu and I thought, oh, oh okay, that's interesting. Uh, but unfortunately, I didn't get the chance to suss that out, but it does sound like that's probably where I'd find uh, most of my enjoyment with No Way Home because, yeah, I I didn't find the, the gameplay loop of... Now, I think, I think you actually articulated and hit the nail on the head very early when we started discussing this about why it doesn't feel super satisfying for me, and I think it's because it feels like one giant fetch quest. Mm. And I think... For you know, for those who don't play a lot of RPGs, you know, fetch quests in, include, as Stephen uh, mentioned earlier, that uh, you know, here's here's a quest. Okay, we want you to grab this object and yet retrieve it back here, and you know, go and do this thing for for that person, as opposed to um, you know, some uh, sort of more more complex, uh, complex and sort of delicately layered quests. But yeah, I just I just didn't find it super super satisfying to you know to keep me going. Um, the the SMG studio, the the wacky humor that's a staple of their games, it's it's there, and there are some very funny exchanges between characters in in written dialogue, and there's also uh, voice acting as well, which is, which is quite good. And the yeah, the writing is you know sharp and witty and 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 silly in in all the the measures you'd expect an SMG studio game to be. But I just found the the gameplay loop, I yeah, it, it didn't grab me. Um, but that's that's not to say that this this wouldn't be someone else's jam. That's it. You know, if if cruising around in space and, you know, playing with what feels like pretty good shooting and, you know, just doing, you know, odd jobs in space on, you know, on your path to trying to find your way home, then this this might be yeah your thing and the 
Uh, I'm not sure if this was something that you paid much attention to, Stephen, but I, I thought it was really quite a pretty game as well. Oh, yeah, that, absolutely. Know, of these, sort of these nebulas and, and uh, galactic backgrounds and just some of the, the lighting and shading on this sort of cartoon aesthetic that uh, the game went for. I think they, they pulled off the look fabulously. Yeah, definitely. It, it made me want to hook my Apple TV up again to try and see it on like an actual big screen because I played the entire time on my iPhone and mm. it, it, yeah, it's super, super pretty in, in that small screen. But gosh, I yeah, I might try it on a larger screen if I get the chance because uh, even if I'm not going to be playing it ongoing, uh, I still want to you know, really, really appreciate those visuals. And even, even like the sound design, as you're saying, the voice acting was very nice. The I quite liked how they um, approached the fact that hmm, maybe in space not everybody speaks English like they seem to in a lot of you know science fiction TV shows. By some, they did riff on that nicely. Yeah, yeah. the The writing was yeah quite quite funny in that way. Um, but yeah, as as you sort of alluded to, I I, I enjoyed the traversal. I liked that you could sort of flop around the the universe, run into things, and it didn't really matter unless you were running into, like, laser beams or something. But mm. I, yeah, don't know that the the moving and shooting in the story context really grabbed me, but the, yeah, as I said, the daily runs really got me. I kept doing those more so than the regular game just because the, the leaderboards are small enough at the moment that I got to, like, top two, top three for the day and felt very good about that. <laughs> Well, geez, I'm going to have to jump on and try and beat that now. Yes. But, yeah, that that sounds... That pretty well summarises my experience. And I think I think it, for, for those of you who are listening, I think if you're like me and the the story or the story mode and the, the, the way that the gameplay um, sort of played out there, if it didn't quite grab you there, then it certainly sounds like at least give the daily runs a go because that might be more of what you're looking for than perhaps what I was looking for out of this game. But that, that I think, uh, brings us to the end of episode 11, which, of course, means that uh, next week's games... Stephen, would you like to kick us off with the, the first game that we'll be covering in the next episode? Yeah, absolutely. So the first one we're thinking of comes from Hipster Whale in Melbourne, who uh, were have been previously famous for Crossy Road, which I think has been on... If you've had an iPhone, this has probably been on your iPhone at some stage in your life. Um, but yeah, Crossy Road Castle is yeah, it's the new, newest game from Hipster Whale. It looks sort of similar, the sort of pixely visual aesthetic but they're marketing it or showing it up as a endless co-op platform fun kind of game and i'm very interested to see how the co-op works and how uh, approachable and flexible that's going to be given that it's a subscription game so yeah i guess we'll find out about that one indeed and continuing with the platform theme we're also going to be sussing out Way of the Turtle, which has recently received quite a large update and added some more levels and some more content. Uh, so I've never dived in to Way of the Turtle yet, so that's one that I'm looking forward to. And it's by Illusion Labs. And Stephen, considering you went to the effort of looking up how to pronounce the location of where Illusion Labs is based, I don't want to steal your thunder. Well, please forgive me if I get this wrong, but uh, based on the various internet searches, they are from Malm. In Sweden. Yes, and it looks absolutely delightful. So an epic turtle adventure, which is, I think, Stephen, you said off air that it's 
it's what you never knew you wanted. Yeah, so, like who'd have thought an epic turtle adventure? Those that combination of three words. I I didn't know I would need that in my life, but I think I do now. Indeed. So a couple of platforming games ahead. And thank you once again for tuning in to the Mobile Arcade Club. And yeah, we look forward to hearing what you have to say about the games that we've covered today in No Way uh, No Way Home and Butter Royale. And we look forward to yeah, you tuning in next time. So thank you very much and we'll yeah, hopefully see you in the next episode. Catch you around. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Mobile Arcade Club. If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing or leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us out heaps. You can follow the show on Twitter at MArcadeClub. There you can share any thoughts or feedback you have about the show, as well as chat about the club games or maybe even games you'd like to share with the show. You can follow Chris and myself too if you'd like. Our handles are in the show notes. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time.